Richard, it's Bronze and Modern Gods. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, I'm John. I'm Richard. Hey, wait, hold on a second. People that are watching on YouTube, there, there are our names. I'm supposed to, supposed to have that on there. <laughs> if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, we want to give you a special shout out because there are literally a couple thousand of you out there that we uh, um, never really um, note I feel bad because you guys don't see what we're talking about. And a lot of you listen to us on your commutes and we do appreciate it. So we'll do a little better about describing stuff that we're talking about. Right. Right. I absolutely agree. Thank you so much for listening. I'm a big podcast listener in the car. So uh, I know how we can help pass the time. So we'll try to be better at uh, making sure you understand what's going on. In the meantime, while you're driving, why don't you pick up your phone and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, (laughs) ignore the road. Those people, they're in your way. They're in your way. Uh, If you're watching us on YouTube while you're driving, even better. Why don't you hit like and subscribe? And if you're on that podcast platform, we love reviews and those help us out. Hey, you guys liked what we did last week so much with our best um, Bronze Age comics to collect. We thought we would do it for the modern age as well, which is really funky. Uh, You'll get into that in a few minutes, Richard. But we also have the old fart rule returning for the first time this year. Our underrated books of the week. But let's start off with our hot book of the week. Richard, have you heard of this yet? The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, number four. I have not heard of this book. I'm assuming it's along the lines of uh, Batman, The Man Who... Uh, the Man Who Laughs? This is the guy who stopped laughing. You know, yeah, it's the, it's like, yeah. the yin Yeah, is, this, is that... Is that true or? Yeah, it's kind of like uh, this, you know, uh, anthology where anyone can tell Joker stories. They're not necessarily canon. They're not necessarily in continuity. And uh, comic fans, we know this. We know this. uh, These kind of stories happen all the time. But boy, the mainstream press got a hold of this this week. Uh, You may have seen this in the news. Uh, It features a story, uh, non-canon, again, where the Joker gets pregnant thanks to a spell from zatanna it's actually a i don't know kind of humorous um he's after zatanna he wants to get married and have a baby and have a son and heir and zatanna does a spell backwards of course that says no one else will ever give you a baby so as a result the joker ends up pregnant himself Um, okay you know it's 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 one of those things there's not there's not a big punchline, which is a problem with the story it just kind of is an idea that just kind of fizzles out a huge nothing burger but that news cycle must be fed it is starving <laughs> all right so it's not a batman who laughs kind of book but it's more of an anthology from what story. i from what i can gather um this whole thing is about as meaningful as a few years ago when kyle baker did that story for the elseworlds 80 page giant where uh super babies babysitter and you know mm-hmm. super babies in the microwave and there was outrage over that. Um, it's super baby in the microwave. I know. Okay, you see, super baby in the microwave. Nothing's going to happen. Uh, there's been a lot of sales activity on this book, though, on eBay. Um, lots of sales. I think people saw it on the news, and they're like, oh, this will send my kid to school. Uh, but nothing outrageous price-wise yet. It's only five or six bucks for the A cover. The one in 25 is selling for about 40, 45 bucks. Uh, but you know us, we're here to tell you, don't bet the kids college fund on this one. This is a definite flash in the pan. I think definitely we won't even know about this book a year from now. 
no, it's just one of those things where uh, the post or, you know, uh, Fox News gets a hold of it. And some people just lose their minds because isn't this comic for kids? Comics haven't been for kids for decades, you morons. <laughs> you know this. Onward and upward to our main topic this week are the best modern age comics to collect. All right. Before everybody gets on us at the end and you're not paying attention, listen up, listen up. I'm pay attention. Let's define some stuff here. The modern age from around 1992 onward. That's what's traditionally considered the modern age of comics, which I'm with you guys. I disagree with this uh, definition because 1992 was 31 years ago at this point. So we really need to get a new uh, age in there. Maybe the foil age or the variant age. Uh, anyway, for the purposes of this discussion, this episode, we're going to consider the modern age to be anything from 1992 to the present day and it's not just books to invest in or it's not just books to speculate on it's books that are great reads as well which is a little bit of a tumbleweed city for me um in the last 10 years but i i don't have anything from the last 10 years honestly but we'll get into it richard why don't you start us off with your first one which is a huge shocker to everyone okay i, I was talking to Jed about this before we started recording uh, these lists are definitely biased. They are they are our preferences and our picks for books that are good reads. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you won't be surprised by any of these. Uh, first of all, my my first pick obviously is Ultimate Fallout number four from 2011. That's the first appearance of Miles Morales. Uh, book written by Michael Bendis. Mark Bagley did the art. Uh, everyone knows I love this book. I have every permutation that is available for this book. I've got a one through six of first prints. I have both second prints and number four. I have one through six of the newsstands. I have one through six of all the variant covers. I even you have, have the acetate cover. I have the acetate cover. Uh, there's a convention variant that came out back in 2011. I have a copy of that. Um, I do not have every single variant of the facsimile just because it's just nuts how many different facsimile covers there are. But yeah, I'm a big fan of this book. And the reason why is Miles Morales, I feel, is one of the most important characters of the modern era. He represents a change in demographics of, of, of people who are interested in comics for, for one, uh, one point. And uh, I think he revitalizes some of the youthfulness that, that um, has been lost with Peter over the years. We're going to see Miles for a long time now. Um, right now, the movies are focusing on Peter, but eventually they're going to move towards Miles. And I think that's going to be uh, a pivotal change in the value of this book. Um, this book hit a high back in 2020 of $4,500 for this book, which is amazing. Uh, it's sitting around $1,800 right now, which I think is uh, a, fair, a fair price for it, uh, given the current market. It's hard to get a 9.8 of this book because there, this, this book is polybagged and there is a, uh, that bag has a, has a seam down the back, which puts a crease in the back cover. So if you want a 9.8, I would probably just stick with buying a 9.8 pre-graded unless you're willing to, to live with a 9.6 if it doesn't come back as a 9.8 when you try to grade it. Um, I still think this book is going to go up. We've, we've got two different uh, Spider-Verse movies coming out. Um, the trailers and, that I've seen for the first one look amazing, and I think that's going to be successful. 
Um, we are eventually going to get live action Miles. Um, and, and when we have live action Miles, he's going to be right up there with Peter Parker as one of the most important characters in, in the MCU. Now, $1,800 is a lot of money for a book, I will, I will say. Um, I remember back, John, we were looking at this book, and it was $400, and, and you were a poo-poo. <laughs> oh, we were at a shop in a small town, Ohio, and we came across a stash, and I think the guy was asking 25 each for him, and I was like, <laughs> no, and I left him behind. Yeah, it's it's not that I had to say it's not that attractive of a book to be honest with you. Uh, if it wasn't for Miles' first appearance, I think uh, it would be pretty much an also ran. But it has his first appearance, and therefore, you know, it's a book that has cachet and value. So if you come across any of these, definitely pick them up. Um, and also think about it; it's 2011 print runs. I mean, I think this has a six-figure print run, like of a hundred thousand or so, actually, right? It has it has less than ninety thousand is the print. There run. you go. And, you know, I, I, we make the assumption that everybody knows what we know as fans. Oh, of course, everyone knows that. There's no need to say it. But I find with this book, people ask the same questions a lot. And so I think we should point out, if you have this book still in the poly bag, please take it out of the poly bag. Uh, that poly bag does so much long-term damage when your book is in there and it's being pressed up against that seam by other books. It means uh, out of the bag, fresh, mint, no blemishes. This book's only going to come back a 9.4 without a press because of that poly bag seam. It was like baked in to this book when it came out. So if you have a copy, please get it out of the poly bag. Get it pressed by someone that knows what they're doing because this is a tough book to press uh, correctly. And uh, hold on to it because I think you're right. I think those days of 4,500 uh, are going to come back eventually. It may take 10 years, but they are going to come back. Yeah, they only, they, they only made so many, no matter how many facsimiles they try to print out. Um, and, you know, like, like I said, we are guaranteed at least two Spider-Verse movies here in the next couple of years. So uh, the prices that there are now, I, they're almost guaranteed to go up. So, right. it, you know, it's how what entry point do you want i i don't think it's ever going to be another 400 700 book as it's been in the past so if you want in the game you may have to pay that 1800 so hopefully you can find it cheaper but yeah it's the time is this is the time uh my first pick uh is both for uh investment uh long-term hold and also just a great read uh to collect and that is the walking dead you know kind of obvious but this is the comic book that sort of saved Image Comics. I don't think people remember in 2003 where Image Comics was. Um, their glory days of Spawn and Youngblood and all those superhero books had kind of gone behind them. And Jim Valentino, as the publisher, was doing some, you know, uh, different stuff that wasn't exactly setting the sales charts on fire uh, but to be fair, neither was Todd at that time with Spawn or, or Savage Dragon. I think all those books were sub 10,000 order books at that point. So Walking Dead comes along. No one has faith in it. The initial orders for issue number one were 7,266 copies total out wow. there of this little black and white image book. And it just became a massive mainstream crossover hit. And it's just a damn good read as well. Um, 
I'm shocked at how this is holding its value. Uh, CGC 9.8s of issue one have dipped just a touch, but it's actually holding really steady around $3,000 for the past three years. I thought they would really drop now that the TV show has come to an end, but it's really holding on. Yeah, there's been some recent revitalization of, of the of interest in the book. So, no, this is a great book, great pick. I was surprised that it had its the staying power. I mean, hmm? I, I think right. I think we live in a world where the zombie apocalypse has been kind of overplayed. But if you think back at the days when this came out, this was kind of a, a revolutionary storyline, and yeah. uh, I think it's it's benefited from being that first one out. But yeah, it's just a great pick. And I think The Walking Dead as a brand will be a franchise for years to come. I think we're going to see movies video games, spinoffs. I don't think because the main series is coming to an end that The Walking Dead as a brand is over by any means. No, not at all. My next book is Secret Wars number two. Now, this is Secret Wars from 2015. Um, number two is, um, first of all, art is done by Isad Rybik, is how you pronounce his name? Or is it Ribic. Ribic? Ribic. I don't know. I just like saying Ribic. <laughs> Excellent artwork. I mean, this, you know, we've, we've talked recently about how artwork and, and books recently um, might have suffered because of the digital camp. You know, people are doing art digitally now and then they can take shortcuts and such. But this book is just expertly drawn. Um, this is a Jonathan Hickman's story covers by Alex Ross. You just can't go wrong with that kind of combination. Issue number two is the first appearance of God Emperor Doom. Uh, first of all, this this storyline is is rumored to be a storyline that they're going to be using in the Secret Wars movies that's coming up here in the in either next phase or the phase after. I, I can't remember the specifics, um, but this is a great this is a great storyline. This is John Hickman at at his best. I picked out one of my favorite panels from comics in general is from number one uh, issue number one where. Um, They've been told that the, the world is coming to an end and it's it's imminent. And so Kingpin calls all of his his compatriots together to have one last drink and bullseyes there. And it looks like Sandman is there and the door bursts open and, <laughs> and it's the Punisher. And he says, gentlemen, they say when you when you die, you can't take it with you, which begs the question. And he cocks his gun. What exactly am I going to do with all these bullets? <laughs> <laughs> I just love that line. Um, anyway, uh, this it's, it's a great series. Uh, God Emperor Doom. I, I, again, there's no surprise that I pick a Doom Doom book. Uh, it's it's again it shows the complexity of of Doom as a character. Um, he does what he feels is right, and um, it's I, I have a hard time calling Doom evil. I think Doom has a certain um, certain idea of right and wrong, and he tries to follow his idea of right, which happens to be quite different from most other people because it's usually centers on him. Um, and this is him in his uh, ultimate form. He is he is the creator of the world. He is the god of this world, and um, I think he finds that that's not satisfying to him. So it's a good storyline. I hope they use something from this this uh, this book. Uh, in one of the, the movies coming up for the MCU. But um, right now, Raws for this book are pretty reasonable. You can find Raws for about 20 bucks. Uh, second prints, which are a smaller print run, are about 40, 40 bucks. Um, 
yeah, it's 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 seeing some some popularity and some interest because of the MCU rumors. Uh, good one. Um, again, not a big surprise. None of these are going to be a big surprise to anyone unless you're new to the show, uh, including my next pick is uh, a book I love in all its permutations, except for one, which we'll get into. And that is Thunderbolts. Uh, again, a big favorite here. There's a Disney Plus series on the way with Elaine Bennis uh, starring. I'm sorry, her name's Julie Louis-Dreyfus. I just like calling her Elaine Bennis. Um, this property is not going anywhere. Along with Deadpool, I think, I think I've said this before on the show, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's the only new property that Marvel put out there in the 90s that has had staying power since the 90s, uh, Deadpool and Thunderbolts, because um, I don't think uh, Poor Sleepwalker and those other uh, books that launched in the 90s have held on as well as those two it's a good time to buy a number one because the 90-day average for a 9.8 is 157 dollars. we did have a sale last month though for 229 dollars. so it might be an outlier but it might be picking back up uh when this book came out there were 78,000 orders between the newsstand and direct so it's under 100k uh but it's just such a great read. I think you can't go wrong with Thunderbolts. Um, I, I'm curious if the shift will uh, move from their first appearance in Hulk 447. I'm doing this off the top of my head. It's either 447 or 449 to issue one of the uh -huh. ongoing because um, it has the full group on the cover for the first time. Uh, I don't know. I just big fan of this book. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's it's the... The reveal at the end, you know, is is the important part. Um, <gasps> Spoiler! I, I know I'm not going to spoil it. So uh, I think it's a great, I think it's a great idea for Marvel to pull some of the better stories out of their. They have such a huge back catalog, and uh, I hope they do this one right because it's a great story. Fingers crossed. Uh, your next one is uh, a shocker for me. I did not think you would pick this. Yeah, um, I picked uh, something is killing the children. Number one, um, this is an interesting story. It's a Jane uh, Tinian and the Fourth story. Um, it is about a monster, a group of monsters that kill children, and the hunter that's out to hunt them. I, if you had the, if you heard a storyline had bodies of children in it, you know, you know drawn as a part of the story you would think it would be difficult to do and not that have that horror not be the center of the story and it is there that the horror is there um but it's done in a way that it doesn't overpower the rest of the story and i find that fascinating that balance of horror that kind of visceral horror and a story that has to move forward in the face of that horror um it's just compelling reading i mean the first issue i bought it and i read it and i'm like oh my god this is this is this is insane and the very first thought was there is no way they're ever going to option this book and then last year they optioned it so i i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm curious to see if someone actually manages to go go forward with this as a movie but how do you represent i mean i don't want to be graphic but there are dead bodies everywhere in this in this particular comic. Uh, they are not holding back on the grisliness of the story. 
so how are they going to represent that? I don't know. But I, I saw thought the same thing when, you know, talking about your pick, um, you know, Walking Dead. I mean, how do you yeah. represent that? Uh, and they have managed to do that without having it overpower the, you know, the rest of the story. Basic cable. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, hopefully someone has better ideas than I, than I do and how to, to, to do that. But if they can, I think it's a great story. Um, the story is still going on and the first arc is done, uh, but the story is continuing. So uh, if you're a fan, I, I recommend picking up the book and just reading it because it's a great story as most of James Tinian's stuff is. I mean, he is just an amazing writer. Uh, so the, the value on this book has been all over the place. I mean, uh, back in April of 2021, it was up as high as $2,100. Um, most recent sales, it's down It's down to less than 500 469 So it's fluctuated. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I w wish I had a good explanation. I, I just think... Um, the latest story arc may not have been as as interesting as the first one. So um, they're not getting new people on board. You think everybody that wants this book has it at this point? And it's just taking too long. Taking yeah. too long. I, I, I'm I'm hoping there. I'm I'm hoping there's going to be a change. I bought in. I have a I have a 1.0. I'm sorry, 9.8 that I bought in at about a thousand dollars. So mm. uh, I'm I'm underwater. But I'm you know this is a book I'm not really planning on selling. And I'm I'm. I'm hoping that we see values back up around there. I, I get the sense, and you guys tell us what you think in the comments below, um, that the days of slam dunk option speculation are dead and gone. Um, because just a little tangent side off this, uh, we finally finished Sandman last night on Netflix. Oh. And it was amazing. And it's really kind of done nothing for... Uh, comics there was a little bump there for issue one and issue eight first appearance of death when right. everything was announced and when it, but um as great as the show is and it's been renewed for a second season uh we just haven't seen the excitement and that's not the only one there are other books that uh have been optioned or have stuff coming out and we're not seeing those big pops that we used to good bad maybe a little from column a a little from column b uh -huh. can i tell you did you watch it all yet I have not. I've watched the first few episodes and uh, I got to a point where um, I wasn't going any farther. Get in there. You, you got past that tough one. No, I didn't get past it. I know I've told that oh, it gets better, but it's it's it was oh, tough and I haven't gone back. You have to see the night of a thousand or the, the dream of a thousand cats. The, <laughs> the last episode. It's Oh, it'll, it'll kill you. All right. Moving on to uh, my final pick for best modern age comics to collect. Um, like last week when I picked Blackhawk, a dark horse out of nowhere, I'm going to do it again this week. This one's not as big as a shock because I've talked about it a couple of times on this show. And that is Supreme from Image Comics, but only issue 41 up. Don't mm -hmm. touch any issue under 41. <laughs> this uh, again you probably could have guessed this it was alan moore's reimagining of rob liefeld's superman riff uh, and it just happened to be the best superman title in decades oh. yeah. i mean i'm gonna say it if if alan moore had done this for dc oh with john Byrne or someone drawing it it would have sales would have gone through the roof um 
this run is, is fantastic. It touches on every part of the Superman mythos from the Golden Age to the Silver Age to the Gritty Age. Um, it ran 15 glorious issues up to issue 56. Then it relaunched for a new issue one for six issues. And then Alan Moore's stories ran out. The money ran out. But we even got a little short run from Eric Larson a few years ago where he kind of picked up where it left off. And it was going to set up a new continuity and he did six issues and they just kind of gave up on it again uh relaunched it with uh another uh reimagining uh supreme blue rose wasn't a big a fan of that uh issue 41 was a hot book at one point it's got a second print it has about twenty thousand copies floating around out there that were ordered at the time but this is an easy run again to get on ebay in bulk just get the whole thing at once and have you read this yet I haven't. I am. I am totally psyched, though. I'm a huge Alan Moore fan. Yeah, and the art from Chris Sprouse uh, when he comes on, it, the art gets really rough at first because it's some uh, extreme studios, you know, uh-huh. hacks. Oh, sorry, I didn't say that out loud. Um, but then it gets much better when Chris Sprouse Chris Sprouse comes on board. So yeah, in, uh, Supreme is a great, great read. So 41, what, what's wrong with one through 40? No Alan Moore. And it's done as your typical image book with double page spreads and gritted teeth and cross hatching uh, in lieu of actual anatomy. You know, your typical, okay. uh, typical image book uh, from the nineties. Uh, again, that shows you why that stuff was so hot in the early nineties by 2003 when walking dead came along it was such a breath of fresh air for that company. So just, it's all cyclical. It's all cyclical. It goes around. If, if it was hot the first time, Richard, you're not allowed to wear it when it comes back the second time. This is a no. long winning intro to the old fart rule. Nineteen eighty-three, 40 years ago is what we talk about here on this segment called the old fart rule. Our favorite books, from 40 years ago before you start richard because i know you picked this do you know what else 1983 is in in my opinion it is the best year for music ever oh yeah oh that's a good point oh yes think about everything that came out in 1983 duran duran seven and the ragged tiger uh human league fascination i i'm not going to derail but 1983 putting my flag in the ground greatest year for music ever i you know i i t- totally agree i would put up arguments for 1978 though too because that's a good one huge huge hits in 78 but 83 is my you know i was high school senior and uh you know music was my thing so yeah i totally agree 1983 is an amazing year for music and also an amazing year uh an amazing era for the amazing spider-man right that's right. Um, our pick this week for uh, the old fart rule is Amazing Spider-Man number 238, the first appearance of the Hobgoblin. Oh, take a second. Look at that cover. Oh, isn't it amazing? Uh, awesome cover uh, by John Romita Sr. and Jr. This cover will be homaged over and over and over. I mean, I think the only cover, cover that uh, isn't from Spider-Man that is more homage is Spider-Man 300. I mean, we see this one over and over because it's such an amazing cover. Um, 
This book is significant for a number of reasons. First of all, it's the first appearance of uh, Hopgoblin. Uh, second of all, as a part of this book, there was a giveaway of a series of um, water-based tattoos. It's spelled T-A-T-T-O-O-Z. Um, extreme. <laughs> extreme. They were actually put in between the, the, the cover and the, the first wrap of the book. They were slid in and part of the when the book was assembled. And if you wanted to get those tattoos, you ripped that out and you took your tattoos and put them in water and you put in your arm and someplace in the future you cried because you've now <laughs> made that book an incomplete book. If Which you, you have a really cool anchor on your shoulder now. <laughs> yeah, for the until you take a shower. What? Um, <laughs> the problem with this is without those tattoos, um, CGC, when they grade the book, will consider to be incomplete. You'll get a green label. Um, so if you're buying this book, one of the first things you need to do is open the book up. And here's a picture of the tattoos inside. There's there You'll see a little flap on the front. And then on the back, you'll see the actual package for the tattoos that has to be there in the book if you don't see it um then you are you have an incomplete book and the value of that book is less than if the tattoo was there so if you plan on reading it it doesn't matter but if you're if you're collecting it i would re highly recommend that you get that tattoos as part of the book i can neither confirm nor deny that a high-grade copy missing tattoos can be made complete by finding a low-grade copy that has tattoos in the envelope and carefully sliding them into the high grade copy. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> That's an interesting, I've, I've never heard of that, but I, I assume that could be done. Um, I don't know. This book had a high, not for 9.8, um, around $4,100. Um, the last sale though was only $2,400. And you know, I think there's some potential uh, given the way they ended the last Spider-Man, and Ned Leeds is supposed to be the Hobgoblin. Um, forty-one hundred is crazy, though. Yeah, forty-one hundred is crazy. I th I think that was part of the comic boom. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't really see that being a sustainable value, but I could see this going up again if we see Ned Leeds, uh, if we see the Hobgoblin, one of the future Marvel uh, properties. And you know, this was a major villain for Spider-Man. You know. Goblin, uh, you know, is a Green Goblin is obviously the most important, but you know, this is definitely an important character. Um, there's also a lot of different versions of this book. There's a direct version. There's a newsstand version. There is a Mark Jewelers version. There's a Canadian price variant of this book. They're all out there. When you pick them, pick them up. You know, be aware of what version you have, so so you don't overpay for something. If somebody's claiming it's a Canadian variant, for example, and it's not. Uh, make sure you make sure you do your research before you buy this book. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm very bullish on this book. I think Hobgoblin is a character that is a part of the Spider-Man mythos forever. So if you come across this book, this is a great book to pick up. It's also a great story. I mean, the Hobgoblin story is a great story. I remember when this came out, I was um, this is, Amazing Spider-Man was one of the books that I gravitated to in terms of, of you know, hardcore reading. So it's a great book. Um, there's a facsimile of this. I would probably recommend picking up the facsimile if you only want to read because you can get that a whole lot cheaper. Raws for this book. Raws are still two to $400 for a raw. A copy without the, um, the tattoos, it's going for 80 bucks. I mean, this is not a cheap book, but I think it's an important book and uh, it would be a great addition to your collection.
just for that cover to display. I mean, this was a, a, a really after uh, Ditko and Lee and uh, Romita. This was a golden age for this book. You had Stern and Romita Jr. and then Stern and Friends. Uh, just so many great stories. The Rose, The Foreigner. You know, in my line, remember when Spider-Man used to fight mobsters instead of, you know, flying in space and fighting Thanos? This was just a really golden era for this book. And it's crazy to think that it was 40 years ago. But there you, there you go. Now you've got the dilution of the brand. You've got red goblins, gold goblins, this goblin, that mauve goblins, chartreuse goblins. It was inevitable given our current, you know, it's the same way with the goblin or the um, Green Lantern rings. Although I think yeah. that was better, to be honest with you. You know, why are you going to give someone new uh, intellectual property if they're not going to compensate you properly for it? You know, mm -hmm. that's why you have these delusion, delusion of uh, existing characters. Because if I was a creator, I'd be like, I'm not giving them my good ideas. They can have my gold goblin idea. Here you go. <laughs> uh, this is this uh, is a really good transition to prove why we are friends, Richard, because it's time for the underrated books of the week. And my underrated book of the week is Machine Man 19, the first appearance of the Jack-O-Lantern, who later becomes the new Hobgoblin after Ned Leeds uh, is no longer with us, which was not how that story was supposed to end, by the way, according to the writer, Roger Stern. Uh, Machine Man 19. Steve Ditko art. Um, I'm going to go out on the limb here and say this is kind of the last Spider-Man villain created by Ditko, sort of, because he created the Jack-O-Lantern who ended up being more of a Spider-Man villain. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Tom DeFalco and Steve Ditko created this character in Machine Man. Got that great Frank Miller, Terry Austin cover, even though Frank Miller does the one pet peeve I have when people draw Machine Man. Uh, Machine Man's arms are telescopic, so his hand comes out, and the perspective is supposed to make the hand look really big. In this cover, the hand is huge, like it's crushing a table. The hand does not grow. It's just a perspective <laughs> trick. Frank, don't do that again. This book is a steal right now, I think, because the last CGC 9.8, it was going for $255 last July. But at one point in 2021, in that whole hype, this book hit a thousand bucks at 9.8. So for it to be going for 255 is kind of a deal. This is a tougher book in high grade because uh, Machine Man wasn't a big seller. Uh, collectors in the early 80s weren't speculating on Machine Man. However, issue 18, the issue before this, featured a very, very early Alpha Flight appearance. In fact, I think it was their uh, second appearance outside of X-Men. And this bopped around number 19 as a result, bopped around quarter bins for a while. Nobody cared about Jack O'Lantern. It was before it became the Hobgoblin. So it is genuinely tough in 9.8. And I just loved Machine Man when I was a kid. And I remember getting this and it says, you know, last issue special on the cover. And I was like, no. <laughs> uh, so it's definitely a John pick. Um, yeah, the, the great great tie into the Hobgoblin too. We did this without uh, prior prior coordination. <laughs> You're in my brain. Uh, what's your underrated book this week? Yeah, mine is it's, it's questionable if it's underrated. I, I I'm going to say undervalued. Um, okay. First appearance of Sabretooth, which is Iron Fist 
uh, number 14. Um, this is a, a great cover with, with uh, Sabretooth and Iron Fist fighting it out. This book peaked back in the heyday at $6,000 for a 9.8. Uh, right now, 9.8s are going for about $3,600. I still think that's, 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 um, that's probably about where it needs to be. The 9.8s for this book are, because it's a tough book to get a 9.8 because of, of spine ticks and such. Um, I still think there's a lot of long-term potential for this book at, at any grade, particularly the lower grades. Um, this character is probably Wolverine's biggest villain, Sabretooth. I can't see, as we saw in the Fox movies, you saw him fight Sabretooth in the Fox movies. If he's coming back for the MCU, which we know he's going to be in at least the, the upcoming um, uh, Deadpool movie, there's a potential of him fighting Sabretooth in the future. So if you're looking for some kind of MCU tie-in, it's there. But just in general, this book is important to uh, Wolverine's story. Um, the prices have been steady but slowly declining. And this, you know, this these books in this book is not dipping horribly, but there are bargains out there to be found. I think there's uh, a 35 cent variant for this book as well. If you're out there looking, <laughs> pick it up if you can find it. Um, very tough. Very tough. The last high, the highest grade one out there is a nine six. That's on the census, and uh, or I should say on um, GPA. The last sale of it in twenty twenty was fifteen thousand dollars. Wow! Um, as John says, it's a tough book to come by. All you know, a, a, a number of these thirty five cent books are really hard to come by because they were only released to specific markets, and um, weren't really called out as being valuable uh, at the time. So. If you come across one that says 35 cents on it, snatch it up. But uh, yeah, I, I like this book. I, I think with given its current valuation and its current trend, there is a point where um, investing in it is 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 a good move. I, I think we're close to there. And I see it going up at some point. And, and if, even if it doesn't, this is another book that's just a great book to have as a part of your collection. It's Sabretooth's first appearance. And Sabretooth is, is pretty cool. Is he still bopping around the X titles today? Do you know? I, I do not know for sure. I, 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 have, I have not read a next book here recently um, for a number of reasons. So if he is, people let us know. Suck. <laughs> uh, no, uh, uh, I just have um, I just have not followed. Initially, the new run uh, of X-Men heads was really intriguing, really interesting. And I Recently, I feel they've kind of fallen into some bad patterns about resurrection, and it's. Now, there was a point where Sabretooth was supposed to be Wolverine's dad. I, you know, remember that that whole thing, and uh, there was even an issue of Wolverine, the ongoing series, where they sort of confirmed that. I think issue forty-one, but that origin definitely put that uh, to rest when they revealed Wolverine's full name and origin all that stuff but um you know saber tooth sorry i said wolverine's dad just seems to be kind of far-fetched if you ask me i know uh saber tooth um, went from uh being an iron fist villain to being a power man and iron fist villain first uh then well there was an issue an unpublished issue of ms marvel that featured saber tooth before he became uh enmeshed with uh the x-men and 
uh, Sabretooth is a popular character. I think he's very WWE. He is. What, what, what did you find out about this unpublished book? That's that's interesting. Oh, story. there's a because uh, Miss Marvel was canceled, but there were two issues of Miss Marvel already written in the can by Chris Claremont. And uh, one of them was the supposed to be the first appearance of Rogue. And oh. yeah, that was published in Marvel Superheroes, that big title where they just took inventory stories and, and put them in there. And then the other one was uh, uh, Sabretooth. She fought Sabretooth in an issue as well. Uh, so, yeah, Ms. Marvel, of course, Chris Claremont was throwing everything to try to make that book <laughs> stick near the end there. Unsuccessful. Uh, great art by Mike Vosberg, though. I like Mike Vosberg. All right, everybody. That is going to wrap it up for this week. Richard, remind everybody where they can find us, please. They can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Bronze and Modern Gods or on the website, bronzeandmoderngods.com. Hit like, subscribe. We're so close to 5,000. We'd love to make it this week. Uh, we might do a little something special if we do that. Wink, wink, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, spoiler, spoiler. And we will catch you next time. Yep, everybody, stay safe.